Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. It is so good to be here. Thank the Lord for a wonderful day. I, I talked with Brother Sears before, uh, right before service, and he said this is the best day he's had in, a, I think he said, two months or a month, uh, undergoing uh, treatments in Houston. I talked to Brother Jack Batson, said his wife is doing so much better. She's been under, she, both of them had this COVID thing. Uh, He's, do, he's been doing much better than her. She had to stay in the hospital longer. They sent her home with on oxygen. She's still using oxygen to some degree. But anyway, that's a report. God's good. God's good. God's. I want to. I want to clarify something. To begin with, you you get in trouble sometimes quoting something from a book, from somebody else's book. Not mine, of course, but anyway. The last week I mentioned about, I couldn't pronounce his name because I didn't know for sure how to pronounce it. I think it's pronounced Ibn, and it wasn't. Anyway, the, I don't remember where I read it. I don't remember what book it was. I have to do some search to find out. But I, out of curiosity, because I wanted to, I wanted to confirm it. Anyway, his name really is Solomon Ibn uh, Gibriel, G-I-B-I-R-O-L. I don't know how else to pronounce it. Anyway, who, whoever's book I quoted him from, uh, he even had his name spelt wrong. It's not Gabriel, it's Gibriel or something like that. And uh, so I looked it up. I didn't know the feller even existed, of course, although that feller that wrote in the book and said he did, but I found him. I found out that his books are still extant, so I got one on order. And uh, it's a, of course a Hebrew with a name like that. He must be a Jew. Uh, Solomon's great 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 grandson. But uh, anyway, the book is in it's Hebrew on one page, and the next page is translated into English. But it's not quoted in that book that I copied. And so, anyway, I've gone back in my book and straightened it out. Of course, it's still wrong in your books, whoever's got it. But if you, if you want me to trade you with it right, let me know, and I'll give you a good one or a different one. But anyway, Solomon said, this is the way he said it. It's in his book. I read it out of his book. Mankind may be classified thus. One, the learned man who is conscious of his learning, he may be termed truly wise, of him thou shalt seek knowledge. Number two, 
if learned but unconscious of his learning, remind him of it that he may not further forget it. And number three, if ignorant and unaware of his ignorance, instruct him. And number four, but if ignorant and assuming to be learned, he is a fool, dismiss him. I like that. I know it sounded a little better, maybe a little different than what, what I read last week, but this is the truth, folks. This is from the book. This is from, tonight I'm going to talk about godliness, godliness, another chapter from the book, godliness, or maybe we could call it God-likeness, God-likeness. See, it's M, no, there it is, the characteristics of godliness. I found something, after I put all my notes together, I found something else I wanted to share. Matthew Henry said this. What is godliness but walking with God? The ungodly and profane are without God in the world. They walk contrary to him, but the godly walk with God, which presupposes reconciliation to God, for two cannot walk together except they be agreed, Amos 3.3, 3, and includes all the parts and instances of a godly, righteous, and sober life. To walk with God is to set God always before us and to act as those that are always under his eye. It is to live a life of communion with God, both in ordinances and providences. It is to make God's word our rule and his glory our end in all of our actions. It is to make it our constant care and endeavor in everything to please God and nothing to offend him. It is to comply with his will, to concur with his designs, and to be workers together with him. It is to be followers of him as dear children. That's Matthew Henry, and that pretty well sums it up. Godliness, godliness. One of the things that came to my mind when I looked at these notes once again, for some reason I was reminded I was reminded of our first revival, our second revival, after leaving home, quitting our jobs. Second revival, the first revival, we lived in a converted chicken house. And Sister Walls said she saw spiders on the ceiling, which wasn't too far above our head, our bed, before she went to sleep that night and the lights were turned out. But anyway, that was the first revival. That's where we started on Sunday night, and the pastor said we might as well start the revival right, so let's take up an offering for the evangelists. He gave the offering plate to his brother, and he passed it around, and it came back just like it went out. <laughs> that was our introduction, our initiation to being a worldwide evangelist team. There wasn't even a button in the plate. But anyway, our second revival was in Louisiana. Church by Brother Ralph Hatton was pastor. They had built the church themselves. and It was in a kind of a swampy-like area of south, of south in Louisiana. I'm going to put it that way. But what I, what I wanted to say after all that 
was what I remembered about the services there in, in Louisiana. There was wooded areas all around, pine trees in Louisiana is noted for that. But I can remember every service night before service, the men folks would walk out into the back, out into the pine thicket and have prayer meeting. They would go there, get there before service, spend time out in the pine area there the, and pray, pray. We miss those things. We miss those things. And there is a lot of things that's happened that are different. And it's not our fault. You know, we could condemn ourselves so we don't pray like we used to pray or we don't worship like we used to worship. But it's, it's such a troubled and different world that we're living in. Such a different world. We have so much pressure. You have so much pressure from all angles. We have to take time to go to church. What happened? What's happened to what's happened to our love for church? What's happened to that feeling that we had we have in the late afternoons tonight's church. Let's get ready. Let's get ready. As the story you've heard, the tale you've heard about the young boy that said, do we have to go to church? And his dad said, no, son, we don't have to. We get to. We get to. But I think this has something to do with godliness. The love for church, the love for God, the love for the word of God, the word for the fellowship that we have with one another, the devotion to our church, which bonds us together to its principles, to its truths, that nothing and no one is able to pull us away from that, that unity, that fellowship, that love. We need people to become more involved in the work of God more involved. Let's not say, I dread. You mean you got church tonight? Now, I said that one time, Lord, forgive me. We were living in St. Louis at the time, and I'd, I'd gone, been away for a week or so and on some foreign missions trip, and I was so worn out. It was, it, I felt bad. And I remember my mother was staying with us while I was gone and with my wife. Anyway, I come into the living room and I said, I wish we weren't having church tonight. And Sister Wall said, there is no church tonight. This is not church night. So I went back to bed. But anyway. <laughs> but anyway. That church is part of living for God. We, we receive something in church that we'll never receive anywhere else. We receive one, something from one another that you certainly won't receive out there in that world with those that you work with, you associate with, and you absolutely won't receive it at Walmart. Now, we have a... Now, 
devotion, a love for one another that's very unique. It's even stronger and more potent than our family love. And I love my family, my blood family. Well, church is my blood family too. But anyway, there's something different about church folks. And being church folks, we don't criticize, we don't disrespect our brothers and sisters because we're all the same family. That is, if we manifest godliness. There should be a love that is so common among all that are part of our church family, our worship center, where we have fellowship with one another and fellowship with God. We should never speak anything that would bring hurt or disappointment or, hurt, or frustration to one of our quote-unquote family members. We should never speak evil of any of our family. We should all consider everybody else, as Jesus said it, love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. And we could also paraphrase, love your brother as yourself. Love your sister as yourself. Amen. We're family. There should be a love that's and a devotion that's so unique to one another that, that nothing or no one could separate us from that love. That's the enemy's attack and, de and determination to do so. To prevail in the church family, it should also prevail in the home. God established the family himself. And we should not leave God at church. I said we should not leave God at church. God should be in my home. Should be in your family. There should be a godly devotion to the family structure. Each member should have a special love and a special care for every member Losing through abuse or unconcern or criticism, neglect, then that love for the rest of the family is a loss that possibly and probably will never be regained. Losing that love will be a great tragedy in your life. Every husband, listen to me husbands, every husband should think of his wife as being number one. No other woman should appeal to him. No other woman should capture his attention. His attention should be and must be for his wife and for alone. He should let it be known to her that he loves her by his words, by his actions in a personal way. Principle of godliness. The principle of godliness is to give and to, and to receive, to give, and you shall receive. I've wrestled. Can I say something personal? And I hope won't offend you and won't make you think of me that I don't want you to think of. But I've been wrestling this ever since I put these notes together. I've been telling myself, Walls, why don't you tell what you did one time? <laughs> and I thought, well... <laughs> They won't think right, or they, they, they'll think wrong or something. But anyway, I did practice what I preached to a, to a degree at least. 
I'm honest. But I remember, can I, I'll just, I'll just, you, you can take this with a, I remember one time, I think it was our 50th anniversary. I'm not for sure. I was trying to figure that out. But I think it was our 50th anniversary, uh, October 16th, uh, 2005. And I had to go, uh, I went on a, another one of those foreign mission trips <clears throat> that I was doing too many times probably. But anyway, I had to go on this foreign mission trip and it would be gone, I would be gone during our anniversary. So I went to uh, Wayne and Judy and I told them <clears throat> that after I'm gone, I want them to take my wife up. I don't know what it was, a dozen, two dozen roses, something like that. But that wasn't all of it. <clears throat> Man, I was unique. <clears throat> anyway, and, and then the thing is, I could have ordered them from uh, 800, what is it, flowers, 800, 800 flowers? And could have got a dozen roses for twenty nine ninety five probably. But Judy and Wayne would charge me 50-something dollars, probably. But anyway, I told Wayne, I said, here's what I want you to do. In essence, it's what I said. Take these roses to my, to my wife. It was on his way home <clears throat> there when we lived in Brownstown. <clears throat> and I tell you what I want you to do. <clears throat> After you deliver these roses, then every day while I'm gone, I want you to stop by and leave one more rose. That would add up to 50 roses to celebrate our 50th anniversary. Wasn't that smart of me? <laughs> but anyway, that's, that's hint, hint. Your wife say amen. Amen. <laughs> amen, but anyway. I just got, now Walls, you got it off your chest. Now let's go. But so help me, I've been thinking about that about all day and yesterday and the day before. And I thought, they won't, they, won't, they won't understand me saying that. So I've already said it, and if you don't understand it, it's your fault. But <laughs> that's what I did. I wish I could say I was perfect, but I wasn't. Every wife, it, it, works, the both, it works both ways. Every wife should have eyes for her husband and her husband only. She'd try to do her best to please him in every way. I put in my notes every way possible. That's, that's pretty strong, isn't it? <laughs> Let me just leave that part off. She should do her best to please him, period. He should be number one in her life. And I know there's sometimes... I remember as well, and I won't tell you who it was, but I remember one time talking about wives and husbands and families and marriage, and, and I said something, I don't remember how I worded it, but something about nobody doesn't you know, live together for all this time without having some differences, having some arguments or whatever. And one of, our, one of, one of a sister spoke up and said, we've never had an argument. I didn't give an altar call right then, but 
I can't imagine. That, I, you, you would almost look for a halo or wings or something, you know. But somehow problems do arise because you're human. You might be a male and you might be a female. And when you get those two together, you got to have some friction sometimes somewhere. But that doesn't mean you can't solve your problems. And sometimes it's seen, and this is the, one of the problems. Sometimes it seems like that one part of the two-part marriage relationship is doing all the giving while the other one is taking, giving all the taking. But it shouldn't be that way. There cannot be a one-way only marriage that's going to have lasting success. There must be a give and take on both sides in order to have a marriage that will endure. Isn't this godly? This, I'm talking about godliness, godliness in the home, godliness in the family, godliness in the marriage, godliness in church. Amen. Godliness works in the family just like it works in the church. We need godliness in our conduct at home just like we need godliness in our conduct at church. In chapter 5 of the book of Ephesians is where you read that passage of scripture where Paul dealt so much with the issue of relationship between husband and wife. But anyway, listen to what he said, beginning with verse, I'm going to read this. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Isn't that powerful? That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies he that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body and his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. This is being godlike in our relationship. And, and Paul makes it so, I think, so vividly clear, husband and wife, Christ and the church, together, together. I guarantee you, Jesus Christ by spirit is right here in this building tonight. His presence is right here tonight. And we feel his presence. And in the same respect, we need that same feeling, that same love, that same relationship with your companion. Godliness carries with it the idea of piety. And the piety carries with it the idea of dutiful conduct. It's your duty to conduct yourself godlike and Christ-like. 
So, and, and the adjective from our text about godliness is found in Acts chapter 10 and verse 2, where Bible speaks of Cornelius as a devout man. That's godliness. That's the adjective of godliness, one that feared God with all of his house. The adverb, and I don't know what an adjective is, an adverb. I read that. <laughs> but the, an adverb is found in, in, of godliness, that's in our text tonight, is found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Yea, and all that will live godly, that's godliness, in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So these references speak of a pious lifestyle, a humble lifestyle fashioned after the will and the purpose of God. Paul gives us some exa a tremendous example that I found in the book of Philippians chapter 2. There he's speaking about Christ and us. But beginning with verse 4, he says, Look, not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Isn't that unique? This speaks of husband speaking of, to a wife or the wife speaking of the husband. The love that we show toward others is the indication of the love that we have for Jesus Christ. This is, of course, a difficult task for us to fulfill, especially regarding someone that we feel that hasn't treated us right. She... Uh, left lumpy lumps in the gravy and burnt the biscuits. But we must not allow what others do dictate what we do in the sense of being critical. We should do the same regardless. Verse 5, he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's awesome. Let this mind, how do you do that? Let this mind be in you as which was also in Christ. Jesus loved the unlovable. God help me. Jesus loved those that hated him. God help me. God help me. You remember his cry on the cross, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. I think, and maybe I shouldn't add this, but I'm going to anyway. I think to a degree, a little degree, I can associate and connect with this statement here because for 20 years, I was general secretary and treasurer of the Sinner's Lord Jesus Christ in which I dealt with hundreds of preachers. So you could, no, you can't really imagine, but I could tell you a few things, but I'm not going to. Preachers are so stubborn. Preach, some preachers. Not our preachers. <clears throat> some preachers think they got it right. I had one preacher call me collect. And it wasn't just once. It was like every, off, every month or so. Every so often, he'd call me collect. And ignorant me or whatever or... or Lovable me. <laughs> I, I didn't say, brother, uh, I've been paying your phone bill, but it's time you paid your own. Quit calling, collect. But anyway, 
See, I told you I shouldn't have said that, but it, you laughed, so it sounded pretty good, I guess. <laughs> but my point is, you can run into people that don't agree with you. But that doesn't mean you have to act the same way. You can, you can, uh, you can love them whether, whether they're loving you too much or not. But anyway, but anyway, verse seven, Paul said, but made himself, speaking of Jesus, of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. This is an awesome statement of fact and such a tremendous demonstration of the love that Jesus Christ had for me. God became something that he had never been and yet remained the same that he'd always been. He was God. He was love. But because he needed to save me, he became a man. He took on manhood, suffered for 33 plus years, the harassment of humanity. And yet he loved me enough to go to Calvary. Amen. Amen. And we're reminded again and again of John 13 and 35 where Jesus said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. I have set this thing, and I don't know how to do it. Daughter, would you fix this? I'm, I had it set on 40 minutes, but it's, I got it messed up. I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to go over time. You can change it to 60 if you want to, but anyway, but no. Uh, but I had my time thing set for 40 and it won't wreck. Oh, bless you. Isn't it good to have a smart granddaughter-in-law? The recognition of our godliness in the eyes of others. Listen to this now. Now this, 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 is, this is my words and it's intelligent. If you don't toot your own horn, it'll go untooted, folks. <laughs> the recognition, listen now, the recognition of our godliness in the eyes of others is shown by the treatment, by our treatment of them. Did you get that? The recognition of our godliness in the eyes of others is shown by how we treat them. If titles are more important to you than helping somebody in need, you're not godlike. If personal feelings are more important than the feelings of my brother or my sister, you're not godlike. If my time is too valuable for, to me, that I can't help someone that's in need, I am not godlike. I want to be godlike. I want to be godlike. Verse 8 in that passage in, in Philippians 2, Paul said, Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Two words of significance, I think, that I found in this passage. And that's the word humbled and the word obedient. If I can but be identified by those two words, I think I'll be godlike. I think I can say I'm 
I, I'm, I'm in God in obedience. They're both important in our desire to be Godlike with our, our lifestyle. When we realize that we can do nothing without God's help, this, this should humble us to the will of God. Jesus put it this way, and it's a familiar verse in Luke 14 and 11, whosoever exalted himself, what? Might be, shall be abased. And he that, hum he that humbled himself shall be exalted. God help me to be humble. Some of y'all remember the time, it's been many years ago now, but there used to be an expression, I think I found it mainly among the young people, college age group, whatever. But uh, there was, a, in fact, they made signs out of it and seemed like the bumper stickers or whatever said, what would Jesus do? Remember that? What would Jesus do? And that's a good, that's a good question. In everything that we do, before you do something uh, important or anything that's going to affect your life, Lord, is this your will? Is this your will? It may seem like the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, but is this your will? It's, it may seem like this, this is going to be a better job, but is it going to keep me out of church? Is it going to hinder me in my walk with you? Is this your will? This beautiful car, I think I can afford it. I may have to miss some things, may not be able to pay all my tithes every time. I may not be able to give much offering as I used to, but oh, I'd like to have this car. Is this your will? Is this your will? Now, in 1 Peter 2.21, Peter said, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. His steps. Oh, Lord, help me to have clear eyes. 2020 vision when I'm looking at your steps. Jesus warned us that no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is even fit for the kingdom. Yes, I want to make it to the kingdom. Peter said we should follow his steps. That is, we should take time and take the same road, if you will, the path that he's left before us. Also, in 2 Peter and that what Peter admonished us to do is to add, add godliness, add these things to our life. We, we are not to expect these things just automatically become a part of us because we're baptized in Jesus' name and receive the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. These are things Peter's told us to add. So it's going to take effort to add them. Effort. Means sometimes are found putting forth special efforts to acquire certain abilities or accomplishments, should any less effort be put forth by us to acquire those things that God will, which will enrich our lives and make us to become a better person, but will also be a blessing to others whom we worship with, live with, work with. If you want, if you want to be a singer. <laughs> Man, that fits my category. If you want to be a singer, practice singing. You ought to hear me singing at home. <clears throat> if you want to be a saint, work on being a saint. Read your Bible to find out what is a saint. 
What is a child of God? If you want to be a good person, work on goodness. If you want, if you, it takes work, of course, but it's worth it. My, my, it's worth it. Now, the word is used in so many places. Let me hurriedly get through this. Uh, these, these, oh yeah, I got time. First Timothy six and three. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ to the doctrine, which is according to godliness. MPC preaches godliness. MPC preaches holiness. MPC preaches righteousness. Amen. Amen. This passage signifies that which is consistent with godliness in contrast to false teaching. Titus 1 and 1, Paul said, Paul is servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. This speaks of that which is productive of godliness, acknowledging uh, of the truth, which is after godliness. Godly sets a standard. Godliness sets a purpose for us. Truth, when it's adhered to, produces godliness in our life. If we don't obey truth, we won't have godliness. It's that simple and yet that wonderful. First Timothy 3.16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. For God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached to the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. This is that godliness as embodied in and communicated through the truths concerning the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is God manifest in the flesh. Amen. Amen. So let's do some adding in closing. We're admonished to add this godliness principle and, and attitude to our life, which will enhance our walk with the Lord through this. Isn't this a terrible time? Isn't this? I, I've never lived in such a time, and I've lived a long time. Chaos, rioting, looting. And some of those stupid governors and mayors that are saying looting, they're just getting goods that they don't have at home. la ti da I know a bank that's got a lot of money in it. <laughs> I don't have that at home. <laughs> but, but that gives us no purpose whatsoever to go rob it, even if we are called to wear masks. But being a godly person should be the desire of every one of us. Amen. Being godly would mean that, that God, <laughs> oh my goodness, being godly means God is living through me. Amen. That I am manifesting God. How was it? And I get this scripture mixed up so much. I wish I could remember it like I remember Acts 2.38. But Jesus said something about doing your works before men that they may, doing something that they may see your good works, that they may glorify your Father. See, I got it all scrambled up, but you know what I'm talking about. People see you, and all they know is what they see. 
And if they don't see godly action, you're not godly. If you're not manifesting love, you're not godlike. Is that plain enough? God help me. God help me. But anyway, uh, being a godly person should surely, surely should be the desire of each one of us. Being godly means God lives through us, that we manifest the spirit, the attitude that he manifested when he was on this earth. And to get an idea of how he walked again, 1 Peter 2 and 21, even here unto where you call, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps who did no sin. Oh, hush. I thought I had another few minutes. But anyway, that you should follow his steps who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who when he, listen to this, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. My, my, that's where I needed it during those 20 years I was there, whatever. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. I guarantee you, if somebody's done you wrong, if you pray for them, God will take care of them. Amen. Amen. Paul said in Romans 12, 17, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. One more verse, please stand. Acts chapter 11, verse 26. Uh, I know I've heard this verse and I've heard comments on it and read comments on it, uh, but it, the point is, let me mention the point. 1126 of Acts. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now I've heard this interpreted different ways. I've heard it said that it was, it was a degrading, derogatory kind of statement. You know, little, Christ, little Christ. That's the reason they called them Christians. It was a derogatory statement. Well, Interpret it however you choose, but one thing remains the same. Those early church saints were living and conducting themselves in such a way they had the attention of the world on them. Whether they were degrading them or recognizing who they were, whichever, they had their attention. Amen. 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 Let somebody say, I can't carry a tune if I had a five-gallon bucket, but let me sing anyway. Amen. Let somebody find fault in something I may say or do, but let me say it or do it with a, with a Christ-like attitude and spirit. I'm not trying to please man. I'm trying to please God. And if I'll do that, I will please man, those at least that share the feeling that I have in my soul. Oh, to be like Jesus. <laughs> Remember that old song? To be like Jesus. Like Jesus. On earth I long. Oh, yeah.
yes I do. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.